Vasudevasutam devam Tatsujanuramardanam Devaki paramarandam Krishnam vannev jagatguram Hi and welcome to Gita Girl. My name is Sharmila and the Gita Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be the best version of yourself by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. We will be simplifying and learning how to apply these valuable lessons in our daily lives to optimize the outcome in any situation. Today, I'm so pleased that for our first podcast, Shayla is joining me. Shayla and I are creating Gita Girl together. Jaisi Krishna Shayla. Jaisi Krishna Sharmila. This is just amazing. I mean, we have been talking about doing a podcast for a long time now. I approached Sharmila with the idea because I was in her um, and am in her adult Gita class and thought that more people should be exposed to the teachings of the Gita. And so I'm so thrilled that we're finally here starting it. But when we decided to start the podcast, we didn't realize the circumstances we'd be living in. And things have really significantly changed since that germ of an idea started. And since then, we've been faced with a lot of challenges, particularly a global pandemic. We're also faced with profound racial injustices. It's really difficult right now not to get overwhelmed by hopelessness and anxiety, by seeing what is happening in the world from a political standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, from a social standpoint, from a health standpoint. Um, it's really challenging. And, and so I think we should start this podcast by talking about what advice the Gita gives us on how to deal with these really challenging circumstances that we find ourselves in today. I think that's a that's a great one to start off with. How do we deal with anxiety and how do we deal with our helplessness and sense of hopelessness when we see what's happening in the world right now? So this question is exactly what the entire Gita is about. The Bhagavad Gita is actually a conversation between Krishna, God, and Arjun, who is Krishna's friend and disciple. When Arjun is also completely overwhelmed and confused and in despair at the state of the world and what seemed like insurmountable difficulties in the journey ahead of him. It was a time of war when Arjun and his brothers had been trying to avoid this war for years with diplomacy. And at the same time they were avoiding the war, they still had the wherewithal to prepare for the inevitable conflict. So they were ready. Arjun and his four brothers were the upholders of righteousness, good and justice and peace. And they had to fight against the evil facing against them. But when the time for battle came, when Arjun looked at the opposing side, the massive army included his cousins, other family members, friends, teachers, former advisors, who were all now opposing him and his brothers, all united against Arjun, and all of them were on the side of evil. At this point, Arjun is so overcome with anxiety and confusion that he puts down his weapons and says to Krishna he can't fight. He doesn't know what the right thing to do is, let alone how to go about doing it. 
So the whole of the first chapter is devoted to Arjun's anxiety and overwhelming despair. In fact, it's called the despondency of Arjun. And it describes in detail how he can't function. His vision is blurry. His knees are weak. He can't think straight. All of us are facing this sort of anxiety. I mean, I know when I wake up in the morning and I switch on my phone and I think, oh, what's the state of the world today? It's petrifying. That's right. That's right. Yes. So the entire first chapter is about the despondency of Arjun and the rest of the 18 chapters of the Gita is Lord Krishna guiding and advising Arjun out of his despondency, out of his despair, and giving him the clarity and courage to figure out what he has to do and how he can do it. And Lord Krishna is not just advising Arjun in the Bhagavad Gita. He's actually advising all of us, the entirety of humanity. He's advising all of us out of our fear, anxiety, and confusion so we can face the evils which are against us. We, like Arjun, are turning to Krishna and saying, I can't do this. And through the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna is saying to us, yes, you can, and I'm going to show you exactly how. I think what's amazing is that this thousand-plus-year-old story... It's 5,000 years, 5,000-year-old story Mm -hmm. has such incredible relevance for us today in terms of battles we face and feeling that sort of conflict. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, it is. We all have the same issue. At the worst time possible when we need to be the strongest, we have such doubt and confusion and anxiety, we can't function at all. And our conflict, the battle we're all facing right now, is how exactly do we go about living our lives with these huge global issues hanging over our heads? So let's delve in to see what the big guy says in the Bhagavad Gita, shall we? Okay. So the first piece of advice that Lord Krishna gives us in the Gita, in chapter 2, verse 14, which is close to the beginning, he says, everything passes. Every feeling, every emotion And everything which causes those feelings and emotions, all is transitory and fleeting. Everything on this planet is all subject to change. Everything is temporary except for the soul. And this is a good anxiety management tool. To be able to compartmentalize every issue into a limited time frame. So what Krishna is saying is that this difficult time must pass and will pass. Even as we saw, New York in March was much worse. We were at the height of COVID, and it was much, much worse than it is now. Things pass and things progress. And that's something really important to know. And that's one of the first pieces of advice. So this is a huge concept, the idea that the the only thing that is permanent is the soul. And I know that we will be touching upon this in greater detail in future podcasts because it's such a big concept and so central to what the Gita says and and one of the core tenets of, of Hinduism. 
But I just wanted to let everybody know um, that for this and many other concepts, large concepts about Hinduism, you can check out our website at geetagirl.com. That's Geetha spelled G-E-E-T-A girl.com, where we have a glossary of, of different concepts that are central to Hinduism. And you can also check out um, our background podcast. We have a 15-minute brief podcast that really highlights some different concepts such as karma, dharma, reincarnation, a little bit of the story of the Mahabharata, um, and just gives you a little bit of background information enough to really um, further understand what we're talking about on the podcast. Thank you, Shayla, for that information and that seamless plug for Gita Girl. So, what's next? Krishna says that knowing that this shall pass, we should endure the difficulties bravely and with courage. But how does one do that? It's so difficult to endure any issue, right? When you're in it, it's really difficult. So the next verse, chapter 2, verse 15, Lord Krishna says, It's the wise man to whom pain and pleasure are alike and who is not tormented by these. Now, look, he's not saying that pain and pleasure should be the same to you. Nobody likes pain and pleasure equally. That's impossible. But what he's saying is that do not get tormented. There's a difference between enduring pain and pleasure and getting tormented by them. Life is about having pain and also experiencing pleasure. Both of them exist and exist together on this planet. Everything passes. We should experience it fully and then let it go. Don't be tormented by the pain and don't be tormented by the absence of pleasure. It'll happen again. So many times when we cling on, oh, I had a great time yesterday. What was I doing this time last year? I was traveling. Oh my goodness, I could go out anywhere I wanted. I could meet my friends. I can torment myself by these memories. But the truth is, everything's going to pass. Yes. So why torment myself? That was then, and this is now. You know, there's times when you're in the shower or you're in, when you're brushing your teeth and you think, oh, why aren't things this way? Or if only things were that way. But that's a waste of energy, and it just brings you down. Does that make sense? It, it does. And so what it makes me think of is, um, I mean, this is how I am interpreting what you're saying. There's something so freeing about this statement, you know, this idea that um, we're not trapped or beholden to any of the strong emotions that we have in any moment. I mean, I think this is so profound. You know, when you brought up events from last year and how you really enjoyed them. You know, I think about that too. We went on this really great family vacation and I Mm -hmm. sort of think of that with some sadness. I I think two things, one lesson from this is absolutely like enjoy that time that I spend with in my family in that moment last year, because who could have predicted COVID would have come us in January, right? Nobody knew that. We never know what's around the corner. So in that moment, in that time of vacation and that time with friends and that time that you're sitting outside enjoying um, the lovely outdoors at a restaurant gathering with friends or time in a playground or a park with your kids 
or whatever it is, like fully enjoy that moment, be present in that moment, because that that happiness is fleeting in the same way this difficulty and challenging time that we're in right now in terms of COVID is also fleeting. We will, there will be a time where things will open up again Mm -hmm. and we'll be able to do the things that we enjoy. That's what I'm sort of hearing from you in terms Mm -hmm. of what the Gita is saying about things being temporary, both the happy moments and sad moments. So the advice that I'm getting from this is to really be present in that moment, experience that happiness, experience that pain, knowing that it's not there forever. Right. That's exactly right. And just to clarify, it's not me saying it, it's Lord Krishna, but yeah. The big (laughs) guy. Yeah, the big guy. Exactly. But that's exactly right. The other day um, we were eating outdoors with, you know, with my family. It was beautiful. I could say that, oh my goodness, we used to do this all the time before. But you know what? In that moment, I said, I'm not going to let my mind go there. I'm just going to enjoy this, enjoy the fresh air, enjoy the breeze, just lap up this moment because there's still beauty to be found, even in difficult circumstances. And I'm just going to focus on this moment and not torment myself with sadness and unhappiness. Exactly. I love that. That's not to say we shouldn't act according to the times and take precautions, be responsible and do what we need to do. But what Lord Krishna is saying is that we just shouldn't be tormented by these occurrences because pain and pleasure are both inevitable phases of life. We need to accept it. It's a waste of energy to get upset at the inevitable. Yet that's what we all do all the time. We need to endure this calmly. But again, it's much easier said than done. So he goes on to say in chapter 2, verse 38, exactly how we should do this. Chapter 2, verse 38 is a direct statement on the technique to handle stressful situations. Krishna says, you should treat alike pleasure and pain, gain and loss, victory and defeat. And doing this, get ready for the challenges in your life. What he's asking us to do here is to practice. He says, practice not getting carried away. Practice not getting tormented. Start small. Practice makes perfect. And Krishna says, everything starts in the beginning. It's like building a muscle. Nobody's first run is the marathon. You have to train for it. So he says, learn to check your anger. He uses this word equanimity again and again and again in the Gita. Equanimity means not overreacting and just practicing calm, especially under stressful situations. Equanimity leads to real success. So he says we should practice in small doses. So for example, um, the food you ordered for dinner comes cold. Instead of getting irritated, stay calm and just deal with it. Uh, So your husband spills his coffee all over the kitchen floor. Stay calm and deal with it. That's not to say you can't say, hey, next time, you know, be a little careful. But that instant overreaction, Krishna is saying that's tormenting. That freak out, that anger, that frustration, that lash out, that is not going to serve you. He says, deal with it. Road rage. 
driving in traffic is a great time to practice calm and hone your skill and train that equanimity muscle. Your coworker is not turning in a project on time. Use these circumstances, these challenges as an opportunity to build your equanimity rather than practicing anger. And what I like about you saying that is that it also changes the way you can look at negative situations. And those negative situations are actually opportunities for you to learn better and practice more. And so it's also sort of a mind shift on the way you perceive difficult and challenging moments. I really, I like that. That's exactly right. By doing this, you find yourself being able to stay calm in the bigger situations and the bigger challenges if you start small and keep practicing. And I think it also gets easier, right? I mean, you brought up the example of nobody um, during their first run runs a marathon, but each mile gets easier. And soon that 5K is easier, that 10K and on and on. And I think in the same way, hopefully it becomes part of your muscle memory. Your reaction isn't something that you have to necessarily consciously think about in terms of being calm in a high pressure or a challenging situation. It's something that sort of automatically comes to you. It starts to become your fallback emotion, your sort of instinct, because you've practiced practiced it so often. That's exactly right. I had such an anger issue when I was younger. I would just fly off the handle like... I mean, you can ask my parents and my husband, actually, it was terrible. And during COVID, when the quarantine was the hard lockdown, when that was over, I turned to my son and I said, "Hmm, do you think I'm getting better at like managing my anger? And my son, he said to me, yeah, mom, he was like, yeah, you're much better. I said, well, how how would you rate like my performance? That was a dangerous Uh, question. Yeah, I know it is a day. <laughs> but I went for it. I put myself in 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 that in in the hot spot. And and so I said to him, I go, so how would you rate my performance? Like, you know, getting angry versus staying calm. He said, Mom, I'd put you in the 90-10. I go, really? I would have been happy with eight. You got an A. Yes, I did. I got an A. And that's by from my son, who is um, you know, he doesn't pull any punches. So they usually so. don't. Yeah. So I was just really happy with that. But that's not to say that I'm 90-10 in any circumstance. It's just during COVID, I really was making a massive effort at not making the situation any worse for anyone else than it could have been. You know, I was really trying on that muscle. So I really practiced and I'm very proud of myself. So 90-10. I think I'm back now to 50-50, but at that time it was not Ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. Right, right. So what will this achieve? Staying calm, practicing this equanimity muscle, it will keep you in equilibrium and help you manage your anxiety for bigger situations. And also there's a second part to this verse. So chapter 2, verse 38. Lord Krishna says, treating alike pleasure and pain, gain and loss, victory and defeat, get ready for the challenges. Just to give you a complete picture of this verse and this lesson, he says that we make life much more difficult for ourselves and everyone around us because of the negativity we spread and bad decisions and bad actions we make when we're in a state of overreaction and anger and confusion. 
And staying calm has a karmic benefit and overreacting has a karmic burden attached to it, according to Lord Krishna. So I just want to digress here and talk about karma very, very briefly. And as you said, Shayla, there is a background podcast on the website that talks about all the basic concepts you need to know to study the Bhagavad Gita. But karma is a massive concept in Hinduism. Karma is a Sanskrit word, and the direct translation for karma in English is the word action. So karma means action. Good action is good karma, and bad action is bad karma. It's as simple as that. So when you do something good, we say, oh, that's good karma. And when you do something bad, you say that's bad karma. And the golden rule of karma is one of the simplest rules there is, which is, as we sow, so shall we reap. So good action, good karma leads to good things happening, and the opposite is also true. But if we don't get the benefits or the detriments of our actions now, we will get them in the future, and that is karma. So Lord Krishna says that staying calm has a karmic benefit to it, and overreacting has a karmic burden attached to it. Because, you know, we all kind of go through life thinking it's okay to overreact and be dramatic. Um, and guess what? It's not okay. So I was teaching this group of eighth graders, a similar lesson to this, you know, don't overreact. It's not good. But uh, one eighth grader, he said to me, raised his hand. He goes, he said, but I like overreacting. He said, I mean, you're laughing. <laughs> he said, I like overreacting. It makes people listen. I feel powerful and things get done. But that behavior has been rewarded. Has right? been rewarded. And sure, things get done from the perspective of maybe his parents listen to him or maybe, you know, as a 13-year-old, you get away with things when you overreact. But the universe, Krishna, God, overreacting is a big no-no. And I'm going to explain now. I'd like everyone to really think for a moment. Close your eyes and think for a moment. Don't close your eyes if you're walking or you know, driving. driving. Yeah. <laughs> but um, think for a moment, how do you feel? What are the emotions you go through when someone around you, whether it's at work or at home, when you see somebody completely having a meltdown? So Shayla, how does it feel to you when someone overreacts? If your husband or your kids or anyone, how does it feel? Or your siblings, oh. anyone? Please, my family never overreacts. <laughs> Calm and collected and equanimity at all times. No, I think what it makes me feel is um, incredibly frustrated. It makes me feel embarrassed. And um, it certainly doesn't make me think about what they're trying to communicate to me. I just am overwhelmed by other sort of negative emotions in reaction to their overreaction. Correct. Correct. So that negativity spreads to us, right? When somebody's overreacting, it rains on my parade, right? When, when I'm feeling happy, everything is great. And somebody just lashes out at me, it just, it pops my bubble. So according to Lord Krishna, he says, when you do that to somebody else, you take away a little bit of their peace of mind. You take away a little bit of their joy. You take away a little bit of their equanimity. Mm -hmm. And I like 
the idea of starting to think through how the energy that your Mm -hmm. reactions and emotions create in the world around you. Because I think very often we just think sort of inwardly, what is this going to get me without really reflecting on what we're putting out there and how people are reacting to it. And this idea that that energy can also contribute to negative karma for you is also kind of mind-blowing, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. The energy you put out, that negativity definitely has a karmic consequence attached. And the same way positivity and keeping yourself together despite the circumstances, setting that example has a positive karmic consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked a lot about this idea of practicing staying calm in stressful situations. Um, but does the Gita have any specific tools to do that? Because unlearning for me, years of being impatient at times and angry, um, you know, I would love to have a specific tool for how to um, unlearn those and relearn how to react in a more positive way in stressful situations. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says that the mind is indeed difficult to control and turbulent by nature. He says in chapter 2, verse 60, that even a person who is practicing self-control like this, their senses, what you see, what you touch, what you feel, what you smell, what you hear, they forcibly carry your mind away like a barge on a storm. He says, before you know it, you've gone from zero to 100 and you're in an emotional state, right? An emotional fit. But he says, this attitude and mindset change comes little by little through practice. And he also says that the mind will become stable through meditation. He says that, yeah, meditation is the key to mastering our turbulent minds. So let me tell you what meditation is. So meditation is a way to build up your bank account of calm. It's a way to train your mind that instead of your default state being anxiety and that kind of general low-lying angst we all have, meditation is a way to train your mind to just be still. Just be in the moment and be still and not get carried away by our thoughts. Our mind is created to have thoughts. That's what our brain is made for. But we're constantly talking to our thoughts, enhancing our thoughts, elaborating and ruminating endlessly, which is exhausting and causes anxiety. I'll give you an example. You're searching on the internet and you look up one thing, but you end up going down an information rabbit hole, which we've all done, and which usually zaps you of your time and energy. I know it zaps me of my time and energy, and I think, oh, that's an hour I'll never get back. But we don't need the internet to do this. Our minds do this to us all the time. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, a tough situation for sure, 
but no one knows where this is going. So if I think, what's going to happen next? What about the next wave? And what about the wave after that? And will there be another strict lockdown? And what's going to happen if COVID mutates? And what about the future of the economy? This can go on and on until it paralyzes us. And the truth is that no one knows the answers to these questions. This obsessive ruminating will only cause us distress and overpower us and prevent us from functioning. So like this, any thought can take on an overpowering life of its own. And meditation is a way to sit quietly, and you can start with even 30 seconds, to sit quietly, focus on your breath, let the thoughts come and let them go and bring your focus back to the breath and just learn to not engage with your thoughts. Be in the moment. Still your mind, give yourself a break. Give yourself a freedom from thinking and engaging and ruminating. We will be doing another entire podcast on meditation. But meditation is a way to build up your strength and your capacity for calm so that you can access this calm when you need it the most. What's amazing is that the Gita has these practical tools right, for changing your mindset and your behavior. You know, it's not just theoretical, it's not just abstract, but it's incredibly practical and things that anybody can do um, and anybody should be able to do. And I know there are a lot of really wonderful resources out there on meditation, and we can put some of those on our website as well. So definitely check out our website and we'll put some of our favorite meditation apps and some books and music and other things that we think are helpful as Mm -hmm. you start your meditation practice. Thanks, Shayla. Another thing comes to mind. There is a famous author called Stephen Covey, who popularized a principle called the 90-10 principle. And the 90-10 principle states that 10% of life is actually made up of what happens to you. And 90% of life is decided by how you react. It's really easy for that 10% to trigger you and that 90% then becomes out of your control and you're on autopilot and you're saying and doing and thinking things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. You're just doing it because you're triggered by that 10%. And it's the Gita that helps us figure out how to control that 90%. In chapter 2, verse 50, Lord Krishna says equanimity and staying calm leads to intelligent action because that way you can act skillfully and acting skillfully is the main goal and is a definite win regardless of the outcome according to Lord Krishna. So what I understand from what you're saying there is that if we took any of the examples that we brought up before about um, a stressful situation um, for example, if we are talking about the coworker who doesn't do their part, which, you know, many of us have had experience with that, or someone who doesn't hold up their own group project in school, whatever the case may be, acting skillfully in that stressful situation would be maybe instead of blowing up at the time, taking them aside and explaining to them the consequences of their actions and how you feel about them not contributing to the project fairly and what 
they could do differently and if they need to do something differently. If you're calm, you can approach the situation in a much more rational, thoughtful way. And both parties are more likely to be, quote unquote, winners in that situation. Correct. So what Krishna is saying is, he says that staying calm, acting skillfully, that's the best you can do. Be at peace knowing that you've done your best and you can leave your anxiety and fear knowing that you did your best, you stayed calm and you acted skillfully. I mean, I think one of the things that we learned about in our Gita class that I think is the most profound and something that I, I think about every day is what you just said, which is do your best, leave the rest. And I think, you know, particularly now during COVID, you know, there was, it was very easy for us to all get swallowed up into the hysteria around mm-hmm. COVID. There was a lot mm-hmm. of um, misinformation, but if you were able to stay calm and go to a reasonable source to get some good information about how you can react. That was my way of doing my best in the situation to keep my family and myself healthy and then leaving the rest. And the leaving the rest I also think is equally important because there are a lot of things that are out of your control that you can't constantly think about. The only thing that's in your control is your action. And the idea of skillful action, I think, is so critical. It's not just any action. It's action that is thoughtful, that's educated, that is insightful. And to make that kind of thoughtful, skillful action takes some calmness of your mind. Yeah, absolutely. So what Krishna says is that when you overreact, all your focus goes into that emotional turmoil you're in. The anxiety, the despair, the anger, the hate, the sorrow, the fear. The energy is being diverted from problem solving. If you can stay calm, which as we've said before, takes practice, then you can think clearly and act efficiently, effectively, and meaningfully. And this skill in action using your full intelligence, that is a way to positively affect your karma. You're empowered by knowing that you did your best in the moment and there was really nothing more you could have done. So do your best and leave the rest. All right. Thank you, Sharmila. This podcast was full of a lot of terrific information and a really great introduction to the Gita. The advice Lord Krishna gives us to help overcome our anxiety and sense of being overwhelmed at this difficult time is incredibly helpful. And if I could sum up the points, it could be helpful for some of our listeners. I know it's helpful for me. The first one is that everything passes. um, And so too will this difficult time that we're currently in. The other takeaway that I got was practice keeping your equanimity, that it's a skill that we have to build over time. It's not something that's automatic. And so to practice being calm in difficult situations. Something else that um, I think was really important was don't torment yourself thinking about the future or our memories of all the wonderful, great things that you did. Um, just really be in the moment. 
And a really great tool that the Gita gives us to be able to do all of this and something that Krishna says to do is to meditate. And through meditation, we'll be able to achieve some of this calmness. The final thing is that equanimity leads to skillful action. Specifically, you can be at peace knowing you've done your best, you've stayed calm, you have been thoughtful about whatever action that you've committed to, and you just have to leave the rest. So the important takeaway for me there is do your best and leave the rest. And I know that we'll be really expanding upon that very important concept in our next podcast. Great. Thank you very much, Shayla. That was a great summary of the take-home points. Here at Gita Girl, we are all learning, evolving, and improving together. So please check out our website. That's G-E-E-T-A-G-I-R-L dot com. And please give us your feedback and your questions so we can try and answer them in future podcasts. And remember, as Lord Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, progress comes little by little through practice and being kind to yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you next time. Jai Sri Krishna. Jai Sri Krishna. Vasudeva Sutam Devam Tatsujanuramardhanam Devaki Paramarandam Krishnam Vandev Jagat Guram 